Hello, and welcome to Binge Watch Base. I'm Joanne Tim Fuller. And I'm Caroline Strigley. And we are here today to talk about Bridgerton Season 1. Excellent. The summary for Bridgerton was Bridgerton follows Daphne Bridgerton, the eldest daughter of the powerful Bridgerton family, as she makes her debut on Regency London's competitive marriage market. Hoping to follow in her parents' footsteps and find a match sparked by true love, Daphne's prospects initially seem to be unrivaled. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, I'm not going to watch this shit. (laughs) I've never been like a period piece person. Like when Downton Abbey was really big, pass. And I even loved Princess Di, but I was like, pass on the crown. Like it just never really sparked my interest. But I don't know if it was you or someone else. I was like, no, listen, it is so good. So I gave it a shot. I don't think it was me because I'm not going to lie to you. For season one of Bridgerton, well, first of all, I should say I'm a huge fan of the books. Like a huge fan of the books. I knew about the books and I had read all of them long before Bridgerton was ever an idea for a show. So when I heard it was going to be a show, I was very excited because I love a book to TV or movie adaptation, which is kind of unusual for an avid reader, but... I do. I don't know. I can't help it. If something I loved as a book is made into something I can watch, I'm going to. Um, and I'm usually going to like it. But I was not the one who told you to watch this because it's excellent because I got about three and a half episodes in of season one and I stopped. <laughs> so I actually had to be... Was it because you were frustrated with the way that they're portraying the story? <sighs> not really, honestly. I just... This is... So I remember exactly what my thought process was and it was that the books have such a specific bodice stripper regency romance like language and humor and a lot of tropes and things that are so specific to that genre of book which i if you're a fan of that by the way i had never heard of the term bodice ripper until caroline (laughs) explained it to me but basically it is just like 1800s like old english how would you describe it they can they can be any like they can be viking bodice strippers they can be the 18th century 16th century they can be there's there's a ton of them um I mean, I can't, I could literally, I could do a list of like all the authors that I could recommend that are in this vein, but the region, so the different periods in bodice strippers are different, but the Regency period is that kind of specific one we're in with the ton and going to Almax and the balls, the ton, the ton, I can't, I'm not going to even attempt a British accent, but if one slips out during this and it sounds Jamaican, I'm sorry, that's what tends to happen. Um, (laughs) anyway, so I was so excited and then because Julia Quinn is a, wonderful Regency romance writer who's very, very, very funny. And her writing is extremely, like, laugh out loud funny to me for the genre. And then to watch the show and see that they had not been able to translate that to screen, it felt like very well. Like, it wasn't the laugh out loud funny I was used to from the books. And it was more focused on the drama and the romance. And, like, there was obviously some comedic it-esque moments yes. but it wasn't to the extent I was used to so for me I was like eh they did her dirty <laughs> yeah, which I think she was involved in this so I'm like maybe she did herself dirty I don't know but I will say I think that my initial frustration over that made me step away from the series and then whenever I came back to it and just kind of decided to take it for what it was and not try to come into it with the preconceived notions of the books I enjoyed it a lot more. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. So I, I, I did end up really loving it, and I was very excited about season two dropping. Um, and I will say that I wanted I reread the first book before watching, and so there were some differences that I was like, Ugh. and so I made the conscious decision not to do that with season two. But 
speaking of just like not so for you not coming into this having ever been familiar with the body stripper genre I, I'm saying genre weird I'm sorry um what did you think of it like would you now want to potentially read a body stripper book maybe I don't know I'm you know I'm much more of a nonfiction reader but I would consider it so one thing that I think happened a lot and I I expected this to happen because again it's such a specific genre with tropes and things that are so like familiar to people who read them but if you don't like you have no idea what's going on so for you you texted me a lot while you were watching it and you were asking questions like about words and phrases that were used and terms and things that I was like I was curious how they were going to make this accessible to a large audience and just the general public who doesn't read Regency romance or you know whatever because the stuff that they talk about, like some of it's in Jane Austen, like the ton yep. is in Jane Austen yep. and, you know, balls and country dances and things like that. Like, yeah, like generally, but then you get into some like specific stuff. Like I'm trying to think of one of the ones By the way, they talk me. about leading strings all the time. Yes. And that was, that was actually a thing. All children, male and female wore dresses and they had strings on them and they were literally like led around by the strings on their dresses. Yes. And that helps you like help them walk. And then also kind of like children leashes. I mean, More, yes. that's how I was able to translate it. Cause they were always like, I need you since you were in leading strings. And I'm yes. like, what is that? And then it's basically like a very fancy child leash, which by the way, we just got back from a zoo visit and we only <laughs> saw two child leashes out of the hundred of children we saw. So. I have to admit that I have actually held a child on a leash. I believe it was Knox when they were maybe two or three and we went somewhere. This is Caroline's nephew. Yes, my nephew. I have triplet nieces and or a niece and nephews and I do remember there was at one point where I had one, I think I think it was Knox, yeah, on a leash at one point. And I was like, wow, I never thought I'd see the day. But it was super convenient. Like, when you're out in public and they're running wild, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, okay. So yeah, so leading terms. strings I thought was really interesting. And I it kind of picked up on context clues of, like, all the different titles. Yeah. Right, so Dowager. Dowager, yeah. Dowager. That means... So, like, if you're... Let's say you there's a count, and he... So, okay, there's a count and he has a wife and then they have kids and then he dies and his son becomes the count. His, his, the son's mother is now the dowager countess because she was just the countess, but now her son is the count. So she can't be the countess. She's the dowager countess. It's just basically a way of saying like mother of, or like former, but now there's like a new generation. I see. Okay. Because I was confused. Okay. So the way that I understand, obviously queen and king is top, then duke and duchess. And then Viscount, mm. Earl. Honestly, when it gets down to the little ones, I kind of get confused on the like order of operations there. I know that like Baron is less than Earl, and Baronet is less than Baron. But between like Baronet's Ken- not a girl. Baronet is no. A Baronet born. is just a okay. smaller Baron, <laughs> yeah. like a little Baron. Okay, yes, a little it. Baron. So, uh, and it's not spelled the way you think. It's like it ends in et, not ette. If that. Oh, I would have thought ette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's counterintuitive. Um, but no, I am not one hundred percent sure on the count and viscount situation. Um, but anything can be in the ton even like if your family had a knight and so you're all like sirs or whatever like that counts as it's not as good like you want to marry someone who has an actual title but any of those but you can still be in the the, ton even if you were not you don't have a title right 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 so a lot of these people and especially like the ones who don't have titles because there's only one title in the family and they're like a second or third son oh yeah 
they're still allowed to go to these balls and like marry them, whatever. Um, so money was like the other currency there, right? So you had the people, the women with the dowry, dower, dowry, dowries, dowries. Yes, I cannot pronounce that. Very word. common in Chinese culture. Which, by the way, if you guys do not does know, does it go the same way where the woman's family really pays the man? No, opposite. Oh, okay. Men pay women's families. Gotcha. So in England, it was like the girl came to you with a dowry and you got money for marrying her, which it does seem kind of. I don't know if women aren't valued that much. Like, why were they valued? You know what I mean? Like, it's a little no, odd. No, so I think that that exchange is more about, like, where you're you're bringing on, quote, a liability. Obviously, I do not think women are liabilities. <laughs> but that's the idea. It's like, you're going to take care of someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to become a part of your family. So here's, like, to helping you. As opposed to, like, in, in, my, in my culture, um, it's more of thanking the bride's family for taking, like, for raising this child, and here's kind of, like, the restitution (laughs) back for raising them, I guess. I don't know. So, dowries are, I mean, it's a little bit less serious now. More for us, it was very ceremonial. Oh, so it's still done, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I doubt, I would, like, highly doubt that that's still a thing, even in the, like, aristocracy. Circles oh, I doubt I would it. Think. No, no, I no. doubt it. It's still pretty common in Chinese, like mainland China, but there's a lot of Chinese Americans that still do it. Huh. Interesting. Um, so anyway, like terms like that, dowager, and like, yeah, just the general rule of like who's called what and all the titles. So and, then like, if, you, so for example, Benedict and Colin and the rest of those boys, they don't have titles, correct? But they do come from a titled family. So like, correct. So, you would be okay marrying into those families, so he but you wouldn't would... be like the second and third sons would not be, I, I believe, lords. Like they wouldn't be like Lord Colin Bridgerton. So I think they'd be like a Mister, a Mister, or an honorable. Maybe I might be off on that. It's been so long since I've gone in depth on my like research spirals that I get into and I start a new thing and like want to know everything about it. I mean, there was one point, and actually, I, I did do this after watching Bridgerton. I found a YouTube channel that is about the dancing they did. Because when you watch the dancing, like, I'm like, how are all these motherfuckers knowing all this much choreography? Like, everybody, no, this was back in the day. It's like, these were the dances you did. You well, they were, but they're actually not. So, this is the spiral I went down because I was like, it just seems like everyone, like, goes on the dance floor and automatically starts doing all these intricate, like, like, you know, moving around partners and going in circles and everyone knows all the moves and it's like, you know, just super complicated. And so I got curious about it and I Googled it and there is a YouTube channel about this girl that is obsessed with, I can't remember her name or I wish maybe we can like link it somewhere, but, um, she's obsessed with like Regency dancing and stuff. And so she explains it in detail and she's like, this is, she basically does these YouTube videos that are like, this is what portrayals of Regency dancing get wrong. And one of the things they get wrong is that these dances and this, now that I know this, it makes so much more sense when you're reading about it. These dances were mostly not danced. Like there would be a line of people and there'd be sets or like quadrilles, which are like four or, you know, whatever. Um, and they would, there'd be like a line. And so it'd be like men on one side, women on the other, your partner's across from you. And there would be the person who calls the dance and the person who calls the dance literally starts the dance, does a section of it. And then the next people in line copy that and do it. And it goes down the line. So if you're at the end of the line, you get to watch like 10 groups of people do it before you ever have to do it. So it's like, yeah, everyone knew the general rules and they knew that, but like in any given dance, just because a song starts playing that everyone knows doesn't mean that it's going to be like steps, you know, it's going to be like you watch the person at the end who starts it. 
Simon says. Kind of, of kind of. That's kind of okay. how she explains it. And I was like, this makes so much sense. Would, but also, it, what made sense about it but was that... Well, how many eight counts is that? I don't really know. I don't know. She, she gives, like, lots of cool examples. It was actually... I really spent, like, two hours watching YouTube videos about Regency dancing, and it was stupid. But anyway, <laughs> so what was interesting to me is that the whole point of asking someone to dance during that time was that you're supposed to like talk and get to know each other and I'm like how are these people talking while trying to like do you remember Cotillion? Every time First we had all, to do like a like a, a waltz where there was like a rocking motion or like the Cinderella or whatever it was called I was like I mean sweating bullets like oh okay one two three four like let me get this right I'm gonna and I always messed up like I'm not context <laughs> Caroline and I went to something called cotillion where it was like sixth through eighth grade and they teach you quote manners and ballroom dancing but really it was just an excuse to get dressed up and you did learn some manners and etiquette but you did learn some ball like we learned the waltz yeah I mean I don't we again I don't cha-cha? remember it in I can't remember detail. but so oh there was definitely cha cha I don't know why, sure. but I remember that. Cha-cha, real smooth. Yes, absolutely. And so that's what Caroline's referring to. And you, and I mean, think about when you're in sixth to eighth grade. Like, yeah. you were superbly awkward. Oh, yeah. And it was so nerve-wracking. And you were one person. Yes. Not like a whole group of, like, four people moving around doing square dance crap. I don't know. But... So I heard a rumor whenever I was in, I think I was in sixth grade, that they were all making fun. I don't even remember the name of the girl, but it was someone we knew. And they're like, oh yeah, she's the worst dancer. Like never get stuck with her. And I, for the rest of my cotillion life was like, are they talking bad about me? So I don't know how people chatted while trying to dance because I was like, I'm not going to mess this up. Oh yeah. I was concentrating 110% while I was doing it. Like getting this, I mean, even just like the box stepping of a waltz, which we were doing slowly for the most part, I was like counting like which foot's next like I, I mean it was hard so to think like the whole time I've been reading these books which has been I believe sixth grade when Caitlin um what was her name she married the lawyer I don't know Caitlin if you're Got out there it. I can't remember your last name I'm so sorry um but anyway she brought her mom red bottle strippers and she brought one to school and I saw it and like I, she knew I was a big reader and she was like oh like, do you want me to like bring you one these are really good like steamy books my mom reads and I was like yes please <laughs> steamy books so that, that was oh, my, in sixth grade oh my gosh Joanne I was a rebel I was reading some like throbbing members like that's what they call him. Like his member was throbbing, and he they, member means penis. So, <laughs> I was like, Caroline, I, I caught that. <laughs> okay, thanks. But anyway, I was like, this is so naughty. I would like hide I'm in my thinking room. Thinking about what I even read in sixth grade, I think it was maybe Harry Potter and like Captain Underpants. <laughs> I was all the way into like Johanna Lindsay. I was not yet to the level of Julia Quinn, which not meaning level like sexual content because oh the stuff I was reading was ten times worse. But I just mean like actual literary goodness i was reading stuff that was so i mean if i tried to read it now i would just be like this is such garbage and throw it down but i was you know titillated as a six year sixth grader not a six-year-old oh god sorry as a sixth grader reading these like i remember one was about like this barbarian king or something and he went and like bought a wife and brought her back to his keep and she had to like clear all the lice out of the thrushes on the floor which was like what their flooring was like i mean like the weirdest I cannot, I cannot express how weird this shit was, but there was a lot of sex in it. So I was like in sixth grade, like, this is great. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it. So that was my start into all of that. Um, 
what was my point? Shit. Oh, it suddenly made sense because as I was reading these books and they talk about like the people talking on the dance floor and then I experienced Cotillion and was like, this is impossible. How were they talking? What they mean was you'd go stand across from your partner for like 10 minutes waiting for the dance to actually get to you to, so you could start moving. So what moving. if you were in the beginning that's of the dance talked. line? If you were in the beginning of the dance line, you weren't going to be chatting for that dance. You were going to be, but the person who started the dance was usually the host of the party. Oh, I see. So it was like, or it was like the, you know, like an honored guest or something. So the girls that were just attending these things generally were not the ones calling the dance and being responsible for dancing the whole dance. And not only that, but when you're dancing the dance and you're dancing down the line or whatever, it's not like you're dancing the whole time. Like the way it progressed, it's like eventually you get to the end and the other side starts. I don't know. It was all different, but, um, the waltz, I think, was an exception to that. And so the waltz was actually more of a one-on-one, like everyone's just doing the waltz kind of thing. And Got I think it. that the choreography that they do in Bridgerton is a little elaborate for probably what was actually going on. Because I see, I don't think all of these people had dance masters and dance lessons from the time they were like old enough to walk, teaching them all these intricate steps. Well, but maybe. I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't know. The lady on YouTube could tell us more, so we'll have to be sure to link her because she was interesting. We'll find her. We'll find her. Um, yes. Okay, so dance cards. Okay, yes. So from what I understand, it's basically like there's only so many dances that they do, so then you sign up for a dance. Like, yes. is there actual order? Yes. So, but then well, also there are a few scenes where I'm like, oh girl, like you probably just left that person whose dance card you filled out. I don't know. It just felt like who keeps yeah. track? <laughs> I don't know who is keeping track, but they would every dance they'd issue the the you know marriageable ladies who'd be dancing their dance cards, and there were like rules about you know you can't dance two waltzes with one gentleman or that means y'all are fucking or something to the equivalent of that day you know what I mean like it was like there were all these like nuances to it that they had to you know keep up with um and it was like there was weird stuff too like I think you weren't supposed to dance with your own wife like more than once or something because that was considered like rude or like dance with your own wife yeah I don't know if that was like more to keep people like more ladies on the dance floor because maybe there were more eligible ladies than men. I don't know. I'm not really sure like the whys and wherefores of all of this, but I do know that like in the books I read, this is the stuff it talks about. And it's like, you know, the guys would come ask these women for dances and it was like, which dance do you have free ma'am or whatever? And it's like, they just fill their name and where they could kind of deal. Yeah. I guess. I I feel like this would be such a stressful time for me if I had to do this process. Oh my God, I can't imagine. I, I would be a Penelope. I'd be 100% a Penelope. I'd be up against the wall listening to the servants talk. You don't think you'd be Eloise? Well, okay. So, well, maybe, yeah. I mean, Eloise, I love how awkward she is. And I feel like I'd be that. Like, Penelope is actually very poised when people talk to her. Eloise falls apart. And I'm like, no, no, you're right. I probably would be more of an Eloise. I'd be like stuttering and stumbling and like trying to get out of situations. But in general, I'd be like hiding in the corner behind a plant like Penelope yes I I don't know I it would be really stressful to think about well Daphne has this moment where she says like this is all that I've been prepared for yeah yeah that part made me cry well I can see that I definitely think that had I been back then or been alive back then and like part of this world and going through it well, first of all if we were alive back then we would have been freaking ladies maids or something at best oh yeah I mean it was, it was first of all you know these poor maids and carriage oh. people that had to put up with this oh, bullshit. Yeah. It's like, first of all, at one point in time, I'm pretty sure Anthony like blames his footman on like being late, and like he has to watch him fornicate against a tree, <laughs> yes. and he has to sit there awkwardly and like 
The poor maid that had to explain to Daphne how children were made. I mean, like, if HR were a thing back then, think about all all the complaints. But Joanne, not only that, these people's working schedules, like, we complain now about the 40-hour work week. Like, that is, like, a big moment. they probably work, like, 80 hours. Oh, no, Joanne, it was their entire life. They were on duty. They got one afternoon a week off Sundays to go to church. It was, like, six and a half days a week on call at all times. So that's the life they were living. And like, you got lucky if you met someone to fall in love with the Mary in the household you were working in. But like the people that had those jobs were the lucky ones. Cause everyone else was working in the factories, dying in machinery that was like old and or not old. It was new, but it was like, you know, horribly dangerous. So it was um, like, do you want to be a industrial revolution laborer, like breathing smut every day and probably getting mangled in like iron sorry. machinery or I do you want to be a smut was like dirty material like pornographic what am i trying to say smog soot <laughs> I, I mixed smog and soot <laughs> okay. I was like you're covered in smut i was like i thought smut was like smog and cheap soot is what i was going for pornographic. sorry okay that's Thank the you. other thing the the london of bridgerton and the way they're portraying it at this time um, is a lot prettier, a lot and prettier than it would have been. It would have been a little more, probably not to the extent. Do you remember the Johnny Depp um, musical um, the, Sweeney Todd? Yep. Okay, it wouldn't have been that dark and dreary and dingy and full of soot, but like Maybe. more of that <laughs> than this. <laughs> now the parts where their townhouses were, like the Mayfairs and Grosvenor Squares and places like that, probably would have been because they weren't anywhere near the factories. But I think the entire city was covered in, and everything smelled bad. That was the other thing. So like. There were a lot of scenes in copper tubs, and first of all, it makes me want a copper slipper tub really bad because they just look nice. But also, <laughs> um, you know, no indoor plumbing, chamber pots, outhouses. I mean, it was just like gross back then, and people weren't bathing that often. So, I mean, it was like not a daily situation for them. They would do like a bird bath with a sponge and like their water jug every morning. But I think it. a lot about this era where there wasn't a lot of personal mm-hmm. hygiene. And then I think about people making out and uh-huh. like... Like, oh, dentistry? They oh, had it. Yeah. They had it. They had no, tooth powders know, but and it, they did stuff, but... But they're not brushing their teeth three times a day. No, no. And then, like, they're not showering. So then, like, no. the idea of... They, just, if like, very the set stink- dressing is any indication, these people were eating a shit ton of sugar. I have to say, I can't watch Bridgerton without immediately wanting to track down a French bakery to, like, get all the pastries from. It confuses every scene. There's these beautiful, elaborate pastries and cakes, and no one's eating them. And I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? Well, no, at one point in time, I'm pretty sure Daphne's mom, Violet, is like, ooh, look at these. And she's like, mom, don't eat here. Oh, yeah. I think, I they're, guess at it the was like, I think they're I think they're at the palace whenever this happens. Yeah, I guess etiquette probably would have been like, ladies aren't supposed to eat very much. And also, I don't know if they would have been able to with their corsets. Um, there's yeah, actually no. an article that came out after season two dropped about one of the actresses the first day on set threw up because she ate lunch in her corset and it was not okay. <laughs> I was like, that sucks. Um, but yeah, that set dressing and everything with the desserts, I'm just like, oh, take me there, please. I would have thrived. Well, I would have been 500 pounds, but I would have loved it. Also, I would have loved every pound of I know. me. And also, I wonder how much of that was actual food. Because if I was like an actress and I was in that show and I was on set all day surrounded by all that shit, I would have been sneaking bites like all the time. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but Eloise is eating a lot, but it's always like nuts or something. You can't see what it is. Like there'll be a table full of pastries and she'll pick up something that's like in her hand small and like pop a few in her mouth, but you can never tell what it is. I'm Sometimes so it's curious. candies. I've I seen guess. them. I think 
sometimes it's candies i've always been really curious but i'm like eloise what are you eating i don't know like are they jordan almonds or something i don't know um kippers on rye kippers so yes kippers um are a breakfast fish that was very popular back then in england got it i have no idea what they tasted like but it was something that was like a breakfast staple the way we bacon which by the way their bacon was not our bacon it's more like you know like um like solid a pork chop well they're not pork chop but it was more like i don't know what kind of what do we do like belly bacon in america i think so i think bacon in england is still different than ours interesting yeah it's i don't know well since we're on the topic of food okay so that's what kippers on rye are um a ratafia 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 yes okay let me i'm gonna google this real quick so that i sound like i know the answer because i do know the answer but i want to make sure i'm right they're talking about this when one of them was super hungover ratafia is a liqueur so it was like a fortified drink so it was like more alcoholic than normal it was like wine but i think it's sweeter and like a port you think kind of i think port was really common back then as was like sherry for ladies oddly which if you've ever had sherry it's super gross i don't know why they were doing that but um yes it's a drink so that was something that they drank a lot of i think um okay and then idea where they say i think it's violet she's hungover and they want to get her raw eggs and garlic Ooh. So, so apparently that was a hangover remedy that was very common. That's disgusting. I would be interested, do they like blend it? You know, like do they mix oh, yeah, it? I don't know. This is my question because I obviously don't get drunk. So I don't know. Well, obviously to you, to other people. Hello, I'm Caroline. I don't get drunk. <laughs> so my question for typically, hangover, typically, well, not that in, I can recall. Um, but so for hangover cures, when you see like in movies and shows, I've never seen someone do this in real life. So I'm assuming this is just for TV, but maybe not. Maybe this is based on something real people do. But when they make the like gross hangover cure that has like raw eggs and all the weird shit in it, is the point to make them throw up so they'll feel better? Or are they no, actually think the drink will make them feel the better? No, the drink makes you feel better. Oh, okay. Well, it's nothing seems, to do with vomit. That sounds counterintuitive to me. I don't know that I would. Well, I guess it's like mm-hmm. the same idea of, I don't know if it's like thinking about drinking Pedialyte or Gatorade uh, yeah, yeah. or like emergency. Something salty I think it's something. something to do with it. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really funny and interesting is they try to warm up milk in one scene. Yes, and they don't know how. It was, is it, it, I think it's Antony and Daphne. Was it Antony and Daphne or was it Benedict? Oh, can we talk about the fact that I can't tell Antony and Benedict apart until they do something in a scene? Are like, you I'm dead serious. Oh, no, I, okay. they, are, they look so different. I think they look exactly the same. And I am very bad with faces and very bad with names. I'm just horrible at recognizing people but in every single scene where one of them like is featured it takes them either speaking or doing something unique to their character before i realize which one it is so there were scenes that like would have it would be like a sex scene with anthony or whatever and his and i was like so wait now benedict is sleeping with her and then i would realize oh no no that's anthony and like it really did not compute for me and like through all of season two when anthony is even the star, I still, in every single scene where it was Benedict or Anthony, had to, like, figure it out. They have different features. Like, Colin's completely. the only one I can distinguish. That's it. That's interesting. I, <laughs> I think they look why. very, very different. Um, but anyway, so they're trying to warm up milk. Have you ever had warm milk? I 
think I have out of curiosity because that's such like a common trope to like, oh, you can't sleep, have some warm milk. I'm not a milk drinker and I never have been. Like, I think when I stopped drinking milk bottles at one mom's, like you never really drink it again. She never pushed it on us. And I think it's gross. So personally, the one time I tried to do warm milk, I was like, this is foul. And I don't know why anyone would. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always found that to be a really interesting trope. And I think it's older. I don't know. I would never drink warm milk if my life depended on it. Yeah. Agreed. And I don't like keep milk either. So I, it would be hard to, I don't know. That just grosses me out. Like I'm thinking like, Oh, would I make warm oat milk to go to sleep? Like, no. Gross. Yuck. I don't, I don't know. That is weird. Okay. Weird trip. Gooseberry pie. Gooseberry pie. Still a thing, I believe. In fact, I might've like seen that at Rymaline's local pie shop if you're in Fayetteville Arkansas stop at Rymaline's off Weddington it is amazing um but I don't I don't know if I've ever had it okay but it's just a berry I mean just a berry just okay just curious yep um what's that's all the food that's really important to us (laughs) over here yes but as far as characters go, who are your favorites mine personally in season one are Eloise Mrs. Danbury and Sienna which I realized was a very obvious pattern (laughs) after I named them all. I'm like the strong bitchy women that are like, I know my worth and what I want. First of all, they are not bitchy. (laughs) bitchy, I would just go ahead and like Mrs. Danbury can come across kind of bitchy sometimes, but she's also just like a, just like strong woman. So those are the ones, but like not, but like strong in a good way. Like I would say that Mrs. Featherington, the mom is also, Portia is also a very strong woman, but not in a way that I admire. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. So my favorites are also <laughs> Lady Danbury. Yep. I love Eloise. And She's I know crazy. this is going to be controversial between us. Okay. But I like Marina Thompson. No, I liked Marina. That's not controversial. Well, okay. I see what you're saying because I was like upset about her because she was not in the books and she was a completely made up addition. But once I had actually gone back to it and finished the season, I realized part of why they did that. And narratively, and from like a, a perspective of crafting a a good beeline and line in a story, I'm like, oh no, that was a really smart decision, and she was a great character because they had such a good like juxtaposition with Daphne's journey to having a baby with Marina's journey to having a baby. Yes. So I really ended up liking that a lot. I really enjoyed her, and I she has a genesis qua. I can't really. No explain why I like her I think oh, she's I think much like all the other women that are strong women, she well because I think other people would be like well she tried to trap Colin no, like she's doing what she's gotta do like she's I, know, I really 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 liked her yeah. I thought that she was just so smart and has such a great way of reading the room I don't know like yeah she really knew how to get under uh Madame Delacroix's in and like have that conversation whenever she was like I noticed that your accent was a little bit off my mother's French where did you say you were from in France yeah. like I thought that she was just like so quick-witted so smart and I just really enjoyed her and I was really that was one of the times I cried was when she was trying to talk to Colin and Colin was so heartbroken it was a lot yeah but I really enjoyed Marina I really loved I actually really like Violet a lot. Daphne's mom. The Bridgerton mom. So I like her. I I, I think she is I do too. She's definitely in, in the books it's even more so. Like she's like for the time she was not a typical mother. 
because correct she was telling people to, i mean telling her kids like you want to find your best yes. friend like your yeah. your dad was my best friend 100 so. like that i don't think was typical of the time it was all very transactional but she's out here like no i want you to find love like that's yeah like she yeah. was like yeah don't marry this prince marry the other yes. guy and it was yeah, like sorry yeah. what so where i take umbrage with her is in her like she makes well okay i don't think maybe i shouldn't say it that way she makes a lot of mistakes in her, like, the way she goes about things, but she does own up to them eventually, and that's really something you see in season two, which we'll eventually talk about, but in season one, her big mistake is completely not preparing Daphne for marital relations, which was, I guess, common back then? I, I don't... think it's pretty common, because it were even... But, like, she... But Daphne, this is, like, one of the, my favorite scenes that ever happened in this show, between season one and two, was when Daphne called her out on it. And was like, you left me in the lurch. Like, if you had just said two things about this, my life would be completely different. And, like, my whole world would have changed. Like, what is wrong with you? You knew I was going to go through this. What was wrong with you? And I was like, you? Because I didn't really like Daphne that much. I mean, she was fine. She was, like, fine. She's kind of the perfect, you know, it's... It's hard to dislike her because she didn't really technically do anything. But she does play that trope of perfect person and is buckling you know like yeah. i can't super relate to her no. because i was definitely not <laughs> no. not her like i would not have been the diamond of my season i'm not particularly poised or know what to say to the right thing or whatever i said that wrong but i liked violet a lot because i felt like she was so ahead of her time and encouraging her children to go after their dreams and marry who they wanted to like I thought that that was really probably jarring at the time for her to be like yep don't marry this prince marry marry the duke because you love him and to an extent though like (laughs) to take away some of the grace that I've given her part of the ability of her to have that attitude was that like they the Bridgertons are so solidly set in society with their standing, their reputation, their sure. money. They You're right. They have. They're not worried about chasing titles they, per se. Yeah. Exactly. They have all the privilege to not have to care about that stuff. So to some extent, it's like I mean, she has the privilege. It's of pretty the easy yes. for her to be like, oh no, don't do that. As yeah. opposed to other people, they're like, I'm an earl. Our finances, our account isn't in a great space. You gotta marry someone with money. Like, yep. You know. So yeah, I don't know. I mean. I do think she's a great mother and she's very obviously family oriented and involved in her kids' lives and, you know, all of that. And I feel bad for her about her husband dying because he was her best friend. Like, I can't imagine. But at the same time, I'm like, it could have taken you all of two seconds to be like, yo, Daphne, have you ever seen the dogs? <laughs> like, you're, that's going to happen to you soon. So be prepared. You I don't know. That would have been the way to explain that's it. That's our brothers almost did. Do you remember that scene where they're like, Daphne, yes. have you ever seen the animals on the farm? You know? And I'm like, and that's the other thing. How realistic is that? Like, okay, we got to talk about this. Did you ever see the movie with Brooke Shields' Blue Lagoon? No. Okay. So I was thinking about this when I was watching Bridgerton season one. So Daphne apparently is what 18 19 like she's old enough to have gone through puberty obviously how did she never figure out like i mean simon has to tell her as an 18 year old like you know you can like touch yourself right like does every teenager not figure this out on their own like how is she completely 110 percent innocent and naive about everything to do with sexuality she is a sexual human like how did she not figure it out and the reason i bring up blue lagoon is because the plot of that movie is that Brooke Shields, and this is gross, but her brother gets shipwrecked when they're out on a little, like, 
boating adventure and they ship uh, there's like adults on the boat obviously but they're the only survivors and so these two little kids that are like maybe like seven when the shipwreck happens seven and eight or something they end up on an island and they end up surviving for years and at some point they start having sex and they have a baby and when they're rescued they have this like child but it's like they were they were seven. They had no idea what sex was, and they figured it out. You know what I mean? Like it happened because unfortunately, like that's just what happens to your bodies. Like you. Got, so I don't understand how she could have been one hundred and ten percent like no idea what's going but on. But do you not think you're coming at it from a framework that's very modern? Well, but there's modern and there's like human nature. <laughs> like at some point, does human nature not come into the picture? And it's like. Like, if, if everyone's minds were completely blankified, all media was removed today, and, like, we all just woke up blank slates, people would still be boning. Like, it would still happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, we would figure it out. Like, it seems odd to me that it's such a... And it's, and it's not just Bridgerton. It is such a strong trope in... Any of, these, any of yes. these Regency romances that these girls were so sheltered they were never taught about sex and they get married and they have no idea what's going on and their husbands are solely responsible for introducing them to all the things and it's like how realistic is that actually? You know? Because like if the maids know about it and the maids and the stable boys are like probably going at it in the loft someone's going to wonder in on that eventually when they're going out to pet their pony. Like <laughs> I just feel like it's not you can't be completely sheltered I feel like 100%. then the trope has to it's set in something I also think that we're coming at it from a very maybe they thought that they were explaining it to them when they say oh you'll have relations when you're married and they're like I don't know what that means kind of thing that's like okay and they're like okay I explained it to you but like they're reading the bible no there's sex in the bible they talk about it like it's in weird euphemisms and stuff but they'd have to like you'd think a kid would be like what does that mean mom like you know what I mean like, well, but they're, they're not reading it in the typical way that we think about the way we read it now. Oh. From what I understand, like, I don't think that there were as many people. Like, actively, like, they were just going to church and listening to sermons, I guess. I think so. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. I could it be just, wrong. I mean, no, I'm not. I think not you're a... right on that. I think you're right on that. I don't know. I just, it feels very, like, fake to me. So, I'm like, mm accurate that but also it's infuriating to think that they did let their like if that is real and that's really what they were doing their poor daughters imagine how traumatizing it oh, would be horrifying yeah so like i just sound like this but okay so there is a gap here yeah at one point in time penelope is talking about how marina's pregnant but she's telling eloise that her maid mm-hmm. is pregnant mm-hmm. and penelope is like I don't know how she's pregnant because she's not married. Like, how is that oh, even possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she alludes to it as Lady Whistledown oh. and talks about like, oh, they're on their wedding and I'm sure that they're exhausted. So I don't know if it's that Penelope's playing a role or she's just repeating what, what she has heard. heard. Yeah. So I'm in, I, I felt like that was something that I wanted to touch on because it was like, wait, so do you know or are you just parroting what, parroting what everyone yeah. else has said so i thought that that was really interesting on her end because she was so shocked by marina being pregnant yeah and when marina was like how did you get pregnant she was like i got pregnant by cake you could tell penelope was like oh shit <laughs> i ate a lot of cake <laughs> like, what kind of cake lemon man god if cake made you pregnant i'd be 
19 and counting or whatever those people are. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think that the way that she played the scene when she was telling Eloise about it and was like, but how is she? It was genuine. So I'm assuming that we're supposed to believe that when she's writing his whistle down, she is just parroting. And so I don't think she knows. Which, I mean, that is, that is an interesting point, though. I hadn't thought of that. That is kind of a gap. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, speaking of the sex scenes, once you get to the sex scenes, can we just talk about how this is lauded as some, like, super sexy, like, Regency porn, basically. Like, people are like, oh my god, the sex scenes are so good. Da, da, da. And I'm like, no. Excuse me, but no. Simon comes in 30 seconds. And I know that they can't shoot it where they're actually like start to finish, like first kiss to completion, right through. But they could have, but they did. That's the, that's how we know he's coming so fast because they don't break away. They could have cut the camera. They could have changed positions in cuts to make it seem like more time was passing. And that was a cinematic choice that they made to show them starting and finishing in like, not kidding, 60 seconds. And I'm like, poor Simon and really poor Daphne. But like, why? Also, it's almost always just missionary. Like, they do nothing interesting. No, they they have intercourse on some very strange surfaces. Surfaces, but it's still just missionary. I don't know. I'm like... No, there's a part in the library on the ladder where that's not missionary. They're still standing up facing each other, basically. I don't know. It was just like interesting that it was all very similar, all very quick. And there was never much foreplay shown. And again, we start, most of these encounters start to finish, so there was just not much foreplay. So I was getting a lot of Brittany Murphy and 8 Mile vibes when Daphne would come. Because I'm like, realistically, mm, don't think so. I don't know. Those Maybe she's thoughts. very blessed. Maybe that, that's all she needs. <laughs> and that's why they have such an incredible chemistry, because it's just like, they get each other. Like, we're done here. I guess. I don't know. I was just, like, highly critical of the fact that... I guess my assumption was, this, like, they were not going to make us watch. Well, not make us, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let us. They're going to let us watch for 10 minutes. Well, no, but that was my point about the cuts, though. They could have shot it and done cuts to make it seem time was passing. We did get, like, a one big sexual montage where you see them yes. like in different yes. locations and areas but when it was like a fully executed sex scene which there were a lot of them it was start to finish with no cuts and I'm like why did they do that why did they make that choice to make it seem like Simon just has a hair trigger because that's what it seemed like I don't know it was a weird choice in my opinion is all I'm I, I agree because usually a lot of the reviews my assumption was that it was a cinematic choice because of timing like they just decided not to add in all those pieces of it. Maybe they're just trying to convey this like sense of we're so connected that this yeah. is all we need. I don't know. But a lot of the right people are allowing this because it's like, oh, it's about like the female eye. It's about her desires rather than his. Which, by the way, I don't know how I missed this. But in the beginning, I did not realize that he was not inseminating her. Like, I must have missed it. I was. I must have like looked away or whatever it was because I was confused at first whenever I was like why is she asking about this oh and see I thought it was the most awkward the him when she said every time he'd pull out was the most awkward freaking scenes because he like the urgency with which he would like yank himself away and be like "Eh." like it was so awkward I must have missed it I must have been I don't know but then I watched it a second time and I was like, oh, I see it now. I think yeah. I was just maybe too hot and bothered to like <laughs> deal with it. Who knows? So uh, what did you think about kind of that last 
encounter, I don't know if it was the last one we see, but where she like forces him to stay. Like, did, would you consider that sexual assault? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that if women, right, if, I don't know, there's a lot of nuance here, but I do feel like that was very uncalled for. Like the same way that women should not, you know, say, oh yeah, we're going to use protection and then poke a hole somewhere, you know, like, I don't, it felt or dudes when they do the stealthing thing where they're like, oh yeah, I put a condom on it and they don't. That's, what? Yeah, that's a thing. Stealthing? Yes. Yeah. That's it's not. It's not great. Yeah, see, like, <laughs> not that's good. not cool. No. no. I, know, I mean, there's a lot more history and nuance and of course, yeah. like, typically it's men portraying sexual violence right. to women, but uh, it felt wrong, right? No, like, yeah, it, it's yeah. not... I, I don't think that what he did necessarily validated what she then yeah. decided to do right because like, what he did don't get me wrong wrong oh yeah too. very well, wrong too. well he entered into it on a lie like he was saying you we can't have children but she to be fair but he right explain to her like that is a choice not an actual thing but then yeah. to be fair he wasn't quite sure sorry what i'm trying to get at the fact that she is so naive right that she didn't know that and i think he assumed that she did know that that that's oh. what needed to happen for them to have children. So, oh, I guess I see what you're saying. He, well, because remember, he's like, I didn't realize that you didn't know that. Did he say that? I don't remember. Yeah. That. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 You're right. That's true. So I guess you're right. He wasn't lying to her. He was assuming I, she was in on it or like understood. I don't think what he did was, I mean, it wasn't right, but no, it wasn't right because he did kind of make it sound like I can't. Yeah. 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 But then it kind of, I don't know. It's like not lying, but proxy lying. Uh, Yeah. Right. I don't know. Something's off there, but that scene was very awkward for me. Like to watch it was (laughs) just like very violating for everyone involved. But like, it was interesting because that's the only time where they don't do missionary. Yo, you're right. You are right. Good, good call out. Yep. That's true. And I mean, she's in traditionally a female empowerment move there or position or whatever. So it's kind of an awkward, it's weird a little bit, but I mean, honestly though, how else would she have achieved that? No, that's what you're saying. That is interesting. There's a lot of dynamics at play there. Um, I think, it worked out for him, obviously, in the end. But, I mean, like, honestly, yeah, he should have been probably a little bit more betray- betrayed by that than... Well, I mean... I was a little nervous that they were never going to recover from that. Yeah. I was really stressed out about the fact that it's like, they're going to be one of those marriages where it's like, mm. yep, like, yeah. go, to your, go to your thing, I'll do my own thing, and when we have to go out together in public, we will, but... Did you think that the resolution was a little rushed? Like, did it feel kind of like shoehorned in at the end? Because sometimes with these types of... Oh, are you talking about how they were mad at each other and then all of a sudden they finally yeah. came back together? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel like the endings to these things, kind of like with... Well, we'll get into season two, but I just feel like sometimes the ends come really quickly, kind of. <laughs> well, much like Simon. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, no, I didn't feel like it because they had such a con- I don't know I, I felt like they portrayed their connection really really well yeah. that it's like even though we both felt like we betrayed the other our connection is so strong that I can only be mad at you for so long That's so fair. for me it felt like 
And, you know, there's so much symbolism in rain mm -hmm. and the idea of, you know, that rain, quote, ruining their party and everyone had to leave. Yeah. But, well, actually, no, they wanted to get back on the dance floor. But anyways, regardless, the idea of, like, you know, right, it washes us of our sins and it's a new beginning, it's a new day. Right. So I didn't feel like it was rushed. I can see where someone thought it was like, oh, they were really mad at each other, now they're fine. But yeah. I feel like since their chemistry and their love for each other was so pure and so magnetic that it it was just like, I can't stay mad at you forever. And I, I don't, and I think just Daphne being who she was and where she, how she was raised, it's like she wanted to have a loving marriage. Right, right. I know. I was very happy that they got to have their happy ending. Um, I had, I was also really glad they stuck with the reason that Simon was the way he was, because that was true to the books about his setter. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. That was all actually what the books portrayed. The difference being that I found interesting was that Mrs. Danbury was not the one who championed him as a child. It was just some random maid that he like um, never saw. That's again. a more interesting storyline though, to have oh, yeah, Lady Danbury sure. involved. For sure. Um, her role in the books, if I recall, was just like very much like a character who kind of popped in to make a quip and then would like pop back out, like at a ball or something. She wasn't okay. like a central character. I'm so glad that they made her. Oh, I know. She's great. She is phenomenal. She's yes, fantastic. She's I love her, her wit, her facial expressions. Like she's oh, just yeah. got, you know, she's one of those women. It's like, you've got it. Like yeah. you, you do, you know, she's just For got sure. it. So what do you think about the addition of the queen? Because the queen has zero role in the books whatsoever. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Okay, yes. so she's like not even involved. Not that, well, <laughs> speaking of the differences in the books, the whole entire storyline of Daphne in the books is 100% different. Okay, so there's no queen to call Daphne like a diamond for sport. The book starts with Daphne on her third season having not found a husband. Oh, yes. So okay. she's like not even... Like she's not, she's nothing special actually, which I mean, honestly, I kind of appreciate more, but so that was a huge change. Like one of the biggest narrative differences was that they brought in the queen. They have this whole diamond thing, which was not in the books. Um, and I don't think that was a realistic thing either. I'm not sure um, that wasn't happening in real life. Got it. Yeah. Um, but that would, I think that's really interesting yeah. in terms of like creating competition for the men. Right. But then also it sounded like it had been going on for a while, right? I mean, the way they portrayed in the show, yeah. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so, I don't know. I would... I feel like some of our best friends would have been diamonds. Yeah, probably. Definitely. We have very, like, poised, beautiful f friend circles, but there's a few of them that I felt like would have been the diamond of the season. Yes. And I think I would have been, like, more Penelope-ish. Yeah, I would have definitely been a Penelope-Eloise hybrid of some sort. I don't know if they'd have... I, I would have been smuggling books into the balls. <laughs> I think. Like, I think I would have been having a good time, but, like, no one was really trying to marry me off. <laughs> kind of thing. And, like, that's no, like, ill will against me. I think I'm super cute. But, like, I'm just not everybody's flavor, you know? Yeah. No. I don't... I think I'd be... Well, first of all, men back then were much shorter. So assuming I was the same height I am now... But you I would, would have also had, have been much shorter. Would I have? I mean, well, okay, let's assume we're going back to exactly as we are to... Or would have been at 18, whatever. I would have been taller than everybody. I'm 5'10". Uh, these men would have been like, I can't dance with her. She is an ogre. <laughs> like, oh, Yikes! <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Be kinder to yeah. yourself. Which, fun fact, fun fact, I will say this. I got very excited with the casting of season two because the main love interest is also 5'10". 
did not know if you looked up her height, but I did. I was going to say, she seems very tall, She's which tall. I enjoyed. Yes, I did too. I was like, get it, tall girls represent. But Also, I am not a tall girl. <laughs> no, you're very small. I am 5'1", so Caroline and I have a very interesting height dynamic. We were twins in high school for twin day during a spirit week once, and it was hilarious. Yes. Like, we both good. wore black shirts. Turquoise necklace. Turquoise necklaces. Yes, jeans. Jeans. I don't know. Probably like Abercrombie or something, but yes, it was. The height difference is. It was cute. It was key. It was cute. Um, but anyway, so yes, I would probably not have done great on the marriage. Although, maybe I could have found like some... So back then, one of the things that was interesting about being part of the aristocracy was that you were not supposed to work. Like it was looked down upon if you had a profession or if you were like yes. actively like involved in business. Like you were supposed to be a they person that of a- leisure. Yes. Right? So they would have hobbies though. Like they got real into like mediums and spiritualism. Like this was the time when like Alistair Crawley and all those people were starting to like blow up and um, they'd get into like seances and stuff. And then there were people that were really into the natural sciences and they'd like do expeditions to Africa and go on safaris and like, Oh, was... see, I would really enjoy that. Aspect oh yeah. So it. like, and remember Colin did his, um, travels, his grand tour mm-hmm. and the grand tour was where you would go and you would explore like Italy and Greece and the continent as they called it, um, Europe basically. Um, and then you would like look at all the classic stuff and see the statues and learn about the history or whatever. And that was like their fun, right? So like, oh, that yeah. was their hobby. So I'm like, maybe I would have found someone cause I can get very into things and like topics and kind of get obsessed. So I'm like, maybe I would have found some dude that had gone on his grand tour and was like super into ancient Greece. And we could talk about like Greek mythology together and then bond. And then he'd be like, Oh, actually she's really cool. Okay. I would have been <laughs> so screwed because we talked about a lot of the girls mentioned like I can sing, I play piano forte. Oh. And the mm. reason for that is because basically right at that time entertainment was sparse. There's no, there wasn't any. <laughs> you, there's only so many times you go to the opera or, you know, But like if you were out. at home, there wasn't radio. There weren't even like So the women would records. serve. Yeah, so women would serve as the entertainment or, you know, even husbands whoever. So that's why they bring it up so much in Bridgerton. But I was telling Caroline like I would be fucked. Like I I played piano for 10 years and I'm I cannot recall a single song. It was I was not great. Joanne, I, I can't piano sing either. My entire childhood and never got out of middle C position in my lessons. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Wow. No, you beat me. You're yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And talk about the singing option. I would have been, was it Prudence or was it Philippa Featherington? Prudence. Oh, that'd be me. Just like thinking oh, I can I- carry a tune, trying to entertain. Oh. Everyone's like, holy shit. Can please. we please leave? Like, oh my God, you're hurting our ears. That would be me. So yeah. You think I would you'd be that sense. unself-aware? Well, I wouldn't be that unsubtle aware. That's, that's fair. But if the, someone like, I think they would like make them, they'd be like, okay, we're having, they would have like music, they called them musicales and they'd have like dinner parties and like these like parties where you would come and everyone would perform a song or perform something musical. I'm oh, like, pass. what would I do? Pass. Maybe I'd play the, did they have triangles back then? Maybe I could play the triangle, <laughs> the castanets. I don't know. I think I probably I mean, could have memorized poetry. I could probably memorize some poems, but I don't know how much that was actually included I feel like music was the thing to do and I just you know I took band I played the oboe for a year oh you played oboe I did um it was wait is the oboe the one you don't even know what instrument you play <laughs> hold on no 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 no, no. I take it back is I think the oboe is the big one I, okay, piccolo the clarinet I don't know it which one's the about- one you hold it like this 
you can't see me, but I've got my hands like I'm holding a tie or something around my neck. And it's got a, it's got a reed in the spit valve and it's like black with silver buttons. Sounds like an oboe, no? Is that an oboe or is that a clarinet? I don't know. I played that one, whatever that one is. And I, again, I don't think I ever figured out how to make the reed make noise. (laughs) Like I couldn't even blow on the thing, but it was something you had to do if you wanted to be a majorette, which at the time I lived in. Monticello and majorette was a thing to do so I was going to be a majorette in seventh grade had already made the team and had to take band in sixth grade in order to qualify and then we moved to Fayetteville and no one did majorette and it was a moot point anyway but that was my one foray into band and it was bad I want everyone cool played the flute but I couldn't make the flute make noise either I also can't whistle I'm just not oh I can't whistle <laughs> I either can't whistle. I am shocked by anyone that like can whistle tunes oh my gosh yes like you would think i'm a kid in a candy store just watching someone whistle i'm like wow like what a gift oh it is like we so we have the store i work every day we we have music and sometimes my coworker will start like whistling along to the music that's playing and i'm like what is it sorcery like how does this happen it's so cool i I can't do it though i can only well i can only whistle by blowing in and you're supposed to blow out Blowing in, Joey, you mean sucking? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Good enough. It's been a long day. It has. Uh, anyway. Okay, wait. Let's get back to the queen for a second because um, something that's interesting about her. So they, they put her into the story even though she was not part of the books. But she is historically accurate to an extent. So Queen Charlotte was the queen at the time. Her husband was going through all the mental... Well, they don't really know what was wrong with him. Okay, so we're... I mean, in our modern view of it, it seems like it's an element of like dementia, maybe Alzheimer's. it could have been some disease that makes your pee turn blue, if I remember correctly. Sorry, what now? Yeah, no, that's a thing. It was like... I can't remember what it was called. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure there was an English king, and I think it was him, that went crazy and had, like, his pee would turn blue. And it was something to do with the disease he had. And they knew what it was, I think. But I don't know if I remember. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. That might have been a different king at a different time. But for sure, Queen Charlotte's husband was, like, not doing okay. And um, she was also known, or she became known. I don't know if she was known back then, but, like, in recent times, it's kind of, like, come up that she was considered the black queen because it's believed, and this is not proven. In fact, I think I've read some articles that are like, eh, this is like sketchy at best. At worst, it's completely false. But um, that she had some African ancestry. And so when you look at portraits of her, like some portraits, it's like, what are you talking about? And some of them, it's like, oh, I can see why people might have thought that maybe. But she, the like level of African ancestry she had or didn't have, whatever. Um, somehow that's kind of been like shoehorned into history that there was like this black English queen, which I think this all came up recently because of Meghan Markle. I'm pretty sure it like all kind of got re-talked about or something, but I'm pretty sure that, um, the most recent articles and stuff I read were like, if there was any African ancestry, it's not historically documented. So it's like, eh. I read something similar where it's not very well known, but people have speculated and yes, but as historically accurate or inaccurate as that is, it brings up the issue of the casting of the show and kind of the world they've created. And I will say, whenever I first heard that Bridgerton was coming out and like started reading articles about it and seeing stuff, everything I was seeing was talking about the fact that they were doing blind casting, which 
blind casting, I don't know if you ever saw Oliver Twist, the recent adaptation they did. Um, that's a truly blind casted show or movie. And it means that the characters are the characters and they just cast whoever it has nothing to do. Like you could have a, a black kid with a white parent on the screen. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. It's completely nonsensical as far as like actual genetics go. It's just, they cast whoever, which is honestly, it was like a great adaptation and wonderful. And I'm all for blind casting. I think it's great. And it gives more opportunities. Um, but that's what I thought Bridgerton was. I thought they were just doing blind casting where it was like, whatever. And then you get in the show and you realize like, no, no, it's a reimagination of history. Yes. So they actually address the race and they talk about the fact that um, he, the, yep, they, they fell in love. And yes. that's because Lady Danbury's talking to Simon at this point. Yes. So, like, yes. Queen Charlotte is the catalyst for, like, basically just like no racial issues in the aristocracy or the society, basically. And so I found that so interesting because it, I don't know. I can't decide if I liked it better that they incorporated it into the narrative and made it like an alternative history or if I would have rather than kept it just like a blind casting scenario. But what I did love is that like it has created a utopia. Like you watch this show and TV is supposed to be escapism and it is just like the most refreshing thing in the world to watch this society in this world that obviously did not exist. But like how fucking nice if it had and if it did and if it was still that way. Yes, like, it's so I, cool. I very much welcomed it. I know some of the criticism was that they didn't talk about it enough, but I... I mean, they addressed it. They, they, they addressed it, it, but I mean, it was maybe, what, a minute conversation? Yeah, it was short. But was I, short. I really loved having that element of it, and I, I don't know. It, but, like, the fact they didn't address it much also kind of helps make it part of the... Because, like, if it was something they had to constantly address or, like, bring up, it would kind of like undercut what they've achieved and what they're showing is like, there are no issues here. Like everyone's I cool with this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. 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 So I don't know. I really liked it. I hope more shows do this. I agree. Um, Just cool. because usually, right. Whenever they say, well, it's a Regency piece, everyone yes. needs to look this certain way. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't take away from anything. No. So are you kidding me? Simon? <laughs> like, could there have been a hotter Simon? Like, no. Imagine if they had just, well, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, look, okay, they have cast the prettiest people on this show. Like, season two, like, smoke shows all around. Like, I would just like to also oh point out, though, that hair has a lot to do with people's attractiveness. Because there's some scenes of Daphne whenever she's got those little curly bangs, like oh, those yeah. two similar things, where I'm like, it's not the best look. And yeah. then she'll have it pulled back. I'm like, what a beautiful diamond <laughs> of the first water. Like, you're amazing. And then yes. there's times where they do Penelope's hair a little weird. Oh, poor Penelope. Like, they make her look. And, and I'm like, like, intentional. I know it is. Yeah. But I, she's beautiful. Yeah. But whenever, it is something really interesting that I've always thought about. What, like, what yeah. you can do to people's hair. To make them look completely different. To make them look different. Like, I'm floored by just even small details. Like, there's yeah. two little curly bangs or even just giving Penelope curly hair. Yes. I'm just like, Does what? it make you wonder what you would look like with different hairstyles? And if there's some ideal hairstyle you just don't know about for yourself that you haven't ever had? Well, first of all, I know it's not side bangs. Because <laughs> I did have a lot of that from, like, the time I was... 16 to 22 it's a very <laughs> regrettable time in my life however yeah, i do wonder about that but right. anyway, yeah there's i mean like, okay this is a little off topic but kind of on topic for some stuff we talked about in season one so we are very into this 
current situation with this dance cult. <laughs> oh, yes. It's called 7M. 7M. If you look it up, without a crystal ball is the right page to go to. Yes. And Miranda Derrick is the one I'm referencing here when I say that she used to be part of... Um, I'm sorry. Her name is actually not Miranda Derrick. They have not legally changed anything. It's Miranda Wilking. Um, but anyway, so her and her sister had like a two sisters dancing kind of TikTok situation. And then she left and joined a cult and got into a fake marriage with one of the cult members and cut off her hair. The sisters had long brown hair, super pretty, lots of beachy wave looks going on. Like they look kind of Italian. They're very tan and like long brown hair, gorgeous. And then she joined the cult and part of the cult's thing is they make the women chop their hair off and dye it blonde or a lot of the women and not every single one. But anyway, so they did that to her and I did not realize that until recently. Like this is kind of new information. Um, So at first, whenever I was like getting into this story and was like looking at all of her stuff, I was just like, oh my gosh, how crazy is it that she looks like a completely different human with the blonde bob and just gorgeous. Like I think the blonde bob suits are so much more than the long dark hair that was also gorgeous. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying. You know what yes. And then I found out that it was like that was that the, thing. the cult mix you do. And I was like, oh shit, but it works for her. <laughs> anyway, but it's made me wonder. I'm like, what if I got a blonde bob? I think all the time, y'all, I have black, black hair. Like I said, I'm Chinese American. <laughs> and I think all the time I'm like, well, what would I look like blonde? I think about it a lot more than probably any person should, but I... And here's here's the thing, though. I know what I would look like blonde because I've done it. And it Can was you go redhead? Bad. I've been red. I've been blonde. The blonde was so unfortunate. Like, I don't have very many pictures of that time in my life because it lasted about three or four months, and then it was over, and I have destroyed most of the evidence because it was horrendously bad so one of my friends used to ha- she naturally has really dark hair but she's blonde now and looks great on her some people can do that yeah. some people can be like black headed and go to blonde and they it like looks like they were meant for it and i don't i don't know if it was just like a bad color situation or if i was like you know i needed to be platinum but i was ash or whatever who knows i'm not a color oriented person i don't know how to do all that stuff but it was not a good situation, and it. But I still am tempted <laughs> to do it again. You're like, could I'm it like, be? Could it be? Could it be that this is the thing for me? I don't know. I don't know. So, anyways, I would just like to address that about hair. Yeah. And how it can change your whole like facial feature 100%. and like it's. I was floored when I'm like, oh, that's like not a great look. I'm like, oh, this. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wow, you're beautiful. Can we t- okay, speaking of beautiful and how hot the whole cast is, because they are. Everyone's gorgeous. I think that that's kind of the point. It is the point. Because it is absolutely the point. But to that point, I have questions about the casting of Cressida Cowper. Because she is not the diamond. And she is supposed to be, like, somehow not the hot one. But she's gorgeous. So like, I Why think- would they cast such a pretty girl to play someone who's, like, supposed to not somehow be desirable? Because she is. She's hot. No, well, I mean, she gets courted by the prince. Well, that's true, I guess. So I, I think it's a matter of maybe it's, yes, she's pretty and she's great, but maybe there's something else about her. They're just like, oh, yeah, I got to court her and, you know, like, maybe just not for me. I don't know. Because they do talk a lot about her being kind of a mean girl and well, not. That's true. I, I don't know. I do find it interesting because there's some elements of Richardson where it's like, oh, you don't really need to talk to them. It doesn't matter. They're just, you know, they're just going to be your wife and they're going to be the mother of your children. But you don't need to like them per se. But I think that there's something there because they talk a lot. I feel like they allude a lot to her not being a very nice girl, despite being very pretty. 
I guess I guess that's true. But like, but would the guys on the marriage mark give a shit about how she's See, perceived by the women? This isn't the Bachelor. <laughs> like, she's not here for the right reasons. She, you don't understand. She's causing problems in the house. Like, you need to get rid of her. Like, no, that's not. I mean, they were. Uh, my assumption is they're looking at like how wide are their hips? Are they going to birth me pretty babies? And do they have money? And do they have a title? And that was pretty much the end of it for the most part. Yeah, I assume I that, but I feel like there's probably a storyline that we. Don't Heaven. know. And we don't know if that's just her, her this first is the season. Other thing. I can't remember in the books how she was portrayed if it described her as being pretty but mean or like pretty but annoying or anything. I can't remember how she was portrayed. So maybe she was pretty in the books too. But in my mind, I'm like, I think that it's supposed to be like definitive that Daphne and all the other ladies around are like the ones the dudes are hitting on. But I'm like, but y'all cast this like smoke show. I don't know. I guess. I guess you're right. It's like supposed to be like she's ugly on the inside. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, blackmailing someone to get what you want, which yeah. she does to Daphne, pretty uncool. True, true. I mean, true. I know that there's a lot of blackmailing going on in general, it feels like in this series, but like, yeah. It was very. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the way she did it was like, I felt a chill in the garden. It's like, girl, can you just be like, I don't yeah. know. I think that that has something to do with it, but I think that's a good point in terms of casting. Yes. But I thought the casting was phenomenal. Like, I feel like, do you ever just feel like people look their part? I'm like, Eloise just looks perfect for that. And like, I don't know. It's not even the way she looks. It's her mannerisms and her voice. Like anytime she talks, I'm like, cause I would say Eloise, like she, obviously she's a beautiful girl, but she's not like one that just like sitting on a chair, you'd be like, oh my God, like that girl is hot, but she opens her mouth and she's got that like raspy voice going and she's interesting and she has like the funny like mannerisms and and then you're like, oh, like this girl is like magnetic. You know what I mean? Yes. So, oh, perfect casting. 100%. Um, I also, this is going to sound so creepy, but I think that they cast the young kids because they have an eight season plan. So like each kid, yes. and I'm like, they cast the prettiest little kids they could find because they know they're going to grow up and be hot. Cause you can look at them and go, Oh, they're all going to grow up and be hot. <laughs> that sounds weird, but they do. I did wonder about that whenever they first cast them. I was like, yeah. I wonder if they'll recast them because that was a problem in the Witcher with, um, this is an unrelated oh, wait, Netflix in season two. Oh yeah. Oh, I haven't watched season two yet, so don't okay. spoil it for me. No, it doesn't spoil it, but like, obvious time has mm-hmm. passed, right? So in in series, and I yeah. think this happens a lot, right? Where this, this filming between one season and the next one sometimes could be two years, and yeah. like kids don't keep, right? They're right, not going to continue right. to look the same. Yeah. So there is this like an element of non continuity yeah. for um, the princess. But anyways, well, so so, so I, I was wondering at one point whenever they did cast Gregory yeah. Francesca Hyacinth I was like oh are you gonna keep them because this is eight seasons like it's gonna be a while for you it will but they're supposed to be growing so the actual like it's not I don't think each season is supposed to be like con- like each person's storyline will be concurrent with others so I think that we'll see like eight years pass or and so that six seven eight year will be then no no, no. and I think that that's fine but I'm I was wondering if like at another point do they recast them because oh. they're they weren't what they you know what yeah, 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 just because it's like oh you're just so young or like yeah. you know you just have no idea what yeah, that's true. someone's going to look like in eight years well and years. who knows what kind of contracts they were able to sign so like because i assume since they're minors because like when you sign on to do a series i think standard contracts say what like five seasons six seasons seven seasons something like that 
But if oh, you're a minor and you're signing on, I wonder if there's like a difference, like where, okay, well, when you turn 18, you have to renegotiate. So uh, this is total speculation. I have no idea if that's how that works, but I'm just curious because then it's like, they may have to recast if these kids spend three years being oh. background characters kind of, and then go, I don't want to do this anymore. So sorry. I know I'm supposed to get my own season in four years, but I'm out. You know yeah. what I mean? So that might happen. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. But, but I, I thought that that was interesting just because, because yeah. You, well, I mean, people are placed in series yeah, all the true. time. That's true. Um, one of them that I noticed that I was I felt really smart for was back in the day in Gossip Girl. Blair's mom is recast. Oh, yes. She was replaced quickly, I think. She, well, I mean. Wasn't it like after one season or like yeah. one episode? Yeah, one episode. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that happens actually quite more yeah, than we realize just because. Was, yeah. Well, like New Girl, you know. They oh, had, yes. Lamorne came in for the second episode because Coach got another show. <laughs> so yes. they didn't know that Paolo would get picked up, so we had to do two, you know. Um, he came back eventually. But anyway, have you seen Lamorne's daughter? Speaking of, no, he is so cute. You need to find his Instagram. He has the cutest little baby girl. I don't know her name or anything. I don't think he's posted it, but congrats to Lamorne on your adorable little baby girl. Um, love Lamorne Morris. <laughs> Congratulations. Love, love Winston Bishop. Winnie the Bish. He's my guy. <laughs> anyway. I never got into New Girl, and I know, what? and I know that that's so what controversial to say. I just never got into it. Oh I don't gosh. know why. I tried. I wow. Yeah. I did not know this about you. Mm -hmm. This is new information. This is very unpopular opinion by me. And I I don't, I wouldn't say I'm like, oh my gosh, it's such an awful show. I just, I tried really hard and just never could get into it. Maybe we'll try to do like a flashback season and I like go through the whole, and I watch all of season one and figure out how I, how I do, but... I mean, I think you should. Maybe you'll end up being with New Girl like I was with Seinfeld because I... Also not tried, a big Seinfeld Well, person. I tried to watch Seinfeld my entire life because it was like, this is the best comedy on television. This is but the I best do, show that's ever existed. Blah, blah, blah. What's and I funny, was like, though, Ugh. is I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And see, I don't know that I've ever watched that. Or if I have, I was like, eh. I think it's hysterical. And it's the writer for Seinfeld, right? Yes. Larry David, I guess. Um, yep. But anyway, all that to say, I needed something to fall asleep to because again I fall asleep to television and it needs to be something that like I can easily fall asleep to not too much action not too loud (laughs) you know something that's like mindless so I was like well I'll just give Seinfeld another try because it's probably gonna bore me to sleep because I've always hated it and then I started watching it and as an adult and someone in my 30s totally appreciate it still can't stand his stand-up like the little segments throughout the show where he does stand-up routines I'm like this is not funny how did he get famous do not get it but the actual show and like the plot lines and the narratives and the characters, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. I don't know what changed, but maybe you'll do that with New Girl someday. Maybe. I also tried, I need to try Seinfeld again because yeah. my husband and his family make so many references oh, to Seinfeld. Do. And I'm just like, well, that's like, so my coworker that I work with every day is a huge Seinfeld fan and always making references. And that's what kind of made me think like, maybe I should give it another try. Cause I was like, I don't know anything you're talking about. He is also a huge Simpsons fan and is constantly making, he made a Simpsons reference today about the dog and the Simpsons. And I was like, there's a dog. Santa's little helper. Do, do you watch the Simpsons? I used to when I was a lot younger. I have an older brother and he loved the Simpsons. Never have. Never have. I don't think I've seen a single episode start to finish. And so I miss all those too. But that's something that like, Honestly, I have no interest in... <laughs> like, Seinfeld, I was like, sure, I'll give it another try. Simpsons, I don't give a shit if I watch that or not. I don't know why. I think Frasier's on my list, too. I think I did watch Frasier because I was a big um, Cheers fan. And so also, I transitioned to Frasier. to watch Cheers. Cheers was really good. Um, 
really enjoy Cheers. A lot. I like a lot of old shows like that. Like, so weird fact about me is I used to love Nick at Night. Oh, so me too. I like love Brady Bunch. Yes. I love Lucy. I Dream of Jeannie. Great shows. Love I Dream of Jeannie. I remember being a child and Bewitched. Oh, Bewitched was wonderful. Bewitched was great because she kind of like he would try to be like, you know, Darren was like the man of the house and like, don't be a witch. And she would do it anyway. And I was like, you go, Samantha. But I could not stand. Could not stand. And I, it's so funny to me because I'm like, of course I like Eloise and Miss Danbury. I could not stand that Jeannie wasn't allowed to show her belly button. Because I heard, like, I remember hearing that as a kid. Like, they'd be like a news article or something. Or like, someone would make a comment about like, well, you know, like the controversy with I Dream of Jeannie was like, she had to not show her belly button or it was too provocative to me. And I didn't even know what that meant. Like, I was not some like grand feminist, like every woman should be allowed to wear whatever she wants kind of kid. Isn't that interesting But I though, because... was so like, oh, I can't believe they wouldn't let her show her belly button. That's crazy. That was in the 60s or 70s, and yeah. then we didn't watch it until the 90s. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. It was so old. <laughs> but I loved it. I mean, well, I Love Lucy was in the 50s, oh, wasn't it? I loved it? I Love Lucy. And I remember even, I remember thinking about, like, you. I guess I was just a sponge, and I absorbed what I heard. But I remember hearing about the whole, with I Love Lucy, they weren't allowed to say the word pregnant. Like, they weren't, like, she she was pregnant on the show with little Ricky. And oh, I did not realize that. Yes, and there was, like, this whole, you know, they weren't, they had separate twin beds. Like, they weren't allowed to ever, like, show that they, like, slept in a bed together. Or, and then when she got pregnant, they weren't allowed to, like, say on television that she was pregnant. And I remember hearing those narratives when I was a kid about I Love Lucy, which I was watching on Nick at Night. And being incensed about that. And, like, I, <laughs> I don't think I had any real understanding of what I was, like, actually mad about. But I just remember being, like, ugh. I think I was very early on anti-censorship of any sort. I'm all about the, you know, letting it all be out there. Like, I can't stand book censorship. Anytime you, excuse me, hear a new story about like, oh, in Florida, the school district has banned the color purple or whatever. I'm just like, oh God, fuck them. Like, I hate it. I, I get know. it. I get it. It's a hill I'll die on. And maybe it's because I was reading bodice rippers at, I don't know, in 12 years grade. old. Yeah. How old were we in sixth grade? 12? 13? 12, 13. Oof. It wasn't sixth grade. It was seventh grade because I didn't live here in sixth grade. And Caitlin was Okay, yeah, so you're like 12, 13. So I was like, yeah, 13 maybe. Okay, that seems... Yeah, that's better. I don't know. Maybe there's some... Maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a threshold after... Big threshold between sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, I think so. Actually, that's very true. But anywho. The cry count for me on season one of Bridgerton. Yeah. A mere nine times. That is a mere. Yeah. That is a mere for you. Wow. I would, if you had given me an over under on 20, I would have taken the over. It cried really hard though. <laughs> so not quantity, but quantity, quality. Yeah, like when Colin breaks up with Marina, Aww. I just lost it, man. Like, because you could tell that he loved her so much and he was so, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but he was like, oh no, like we can't get married now. Like it's really Daphne's time. Like he was just... By the way, I've got like a big crush on Colin. Do you, I was going to ask what your thoughts on Colin are. I think he, I, so here's the thing about Caroline and I. Caroline has always really been into like bad boys. Yes. Especially on television shows. And I like my man rule following. I like my man. <laughs> I like my man real decent. I don't know. Like I have, would have never have. So Anthony, I think he is a total fuckboy of that era. Yeah. I know we, we learn more about him in season two, but like I, if I, it was really hard for me to like him. Okay. Just because I, I, 
he was not for me because he was definitely like a, I'm going to go against my family's wishes. Like I'm going to have this love affair that I know is not appropriate. I'm going to, you know, like I just, he's not for me, but I think it has to do with the fact that like in general, I have never liked rule breaker men. Like maybe like funny, ha ha, like, Oh, like something even, even that I was going to say, Oh, they stole like a pepper shaker from a restaurant, but I'm like, that's still not cool. Like, no. I'm, and I'm I'm so into it. I'm like, oh, I can change him. <laughs> oh no, I I like my men to be rule following. Yeah, I like no. it. And so I love Colin. I think Aww. he. I love his adventurous spirit. Like I love that he wants to travel. <laughs> he just seems so sweet. And like, I like the fact that he has friends that are girls. It appears. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in season two. But yes, I do think his friendship with Penelope is very cute. I think that, but I think it also, you can tell that he is, it, it's not just her, I feel yeah, like. I feel yeah. like he's probably got other friends that are girls, and like, yeah. I don't know, there's something about him that he's just so sweet, so nice, and like, even just the comment, right, of like, oh, we can't get married now, it's Daphne's time, like, that's something I feel like a lot of people don't even think about, they're just like, yep, we're doing it, so I'm like, number one Colin fan, who is your favorite guy, Caroline? <laughs> uh, who would you guess is my favorite guy? Anthony. That's funny because it is Benedict, who I may not be able to distinguish him from Anthony whenever his face appears on screen, <laughs> but um, I like him the best. I think that his, well, first of all, we haven't talked about this, but there was some speculation that the showrunners have squashed that in season one, Anthony's like entree into that artist world where the guy is gay and like he's that's witnessing this. Benedict. But what, I know, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, you just said Anthony. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, sorry, I meant Benedict. The one I like, Benedict. Um, there was some speculation that we were like, oh, well, is that indicative that they're going to make him be a gay character or at least bi or something? And the showrunner has come out and been like, no, I don't, like, that was not the intention at all. It was that we wanted to show that he's, like, open-minded for that time. And, like, he is a very, like, open spirit and just, like, you know whatever you want to do, like everyone be free. And I'm like, I love that. So for me, I love Benedict. I'm like, he's a cool artist. Like he's nice. I love, I love his relationship with Eloise. I think that their brother sister bond is really cute. Yes. That is actually a good point. Like whenever they're both swinging on the swings and she pulls out a ciggy and he's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, please give me one. (laughs) Thank you. Like I, I love their dynamic and I don't think we talk about that enough. I know 100%. Like they're my favorite siblings together. So I, for me, it's Benedict. And also I just do think that inherently he is the cutest of the brothers. So I'm into him the most, even again, I say, I can't distinguish him from Anthony, but when you stand him side by, Side. <laughs> then I can. I'm like, yeah, you. I like you. <laughs> yeah, you. Come over here, you. Um, um, I yeah, didn't. I, I really was fully expecting for you to like Anthony. No, Anthony's kind of a dickhead. Oh yeah. Okay, absolutely. He's a total fuckboy of that. Yeah. Era. Capital. Well, R and rape. his whole thing with Sienna was very selfish. It wasn't about her at all. So, oh, and like, I was so heartbroken when she was like, Le- "Let me go." Like, yes. I uh, yes. definitely one of the nine times that I cried. Really? Yes. <laughs> and like she, you could tell that she loved him so much and wanted to have more yeah. of a normal life, right? Of like, yeah. we're going to be together. We're going to have kids. And like, she knew that he was never, that was never going to be a possibility yeah. for that. He's and, not going to renounce his title and forsake his family to be with her. And she knew it. Yeah. I know I, that whole thing just pissed me off on her behalf. And I was just like, ugh. And also, he's he's very overbearing, I feel like, as, like, the, 
oh, I have to be like the man of the family and yes, I don't like can, that. Ugh. Yeah, I just he's ugh to me. Like the whole thing with Daphne's suitors and shit. I'm like, ugh, I can't. Yes, when he tried yeah. to force her into Burbrook, I was like, you you're a dick. Yes. Like. 100%. No, and obviously, and like, I like how he tries to pretend like, oh, I'm, I have all my stuff together. I'm keeping all the accounts. Like, I did my research on Baruch. He's fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously not very good because this guy's got a little son out in the country that he's not taking care of. Exactly. So I hate, I think that that's probably the big reason why I'm like, no, pass. Like, strike yeah. on Anthony. Yeah. Which, I know that you were not the biggest fan of the romance in season two. Do you think that, that had some bearing on it? Like, coming into it already, like, with the preconceived, like, eh, I don't like him that much. So, we can talk about it more, but I'm, like, 180 on him on season two. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes, we will have to get into that for episode two. Another side note about me, I'm, like, a very empathetic person. So, I feel like if I know if I know your story, I can probably figure out, like, why you act the way that you do. And, and then you, I'm going to give you the benefit yeah, of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that suited me well for my, yeah. my life. Is like, learning about what has really shaped people and, like... Assuming positive intent at all turns has really helped me. But anyways, I, in season one, fuck that guy. <laughs> Hate him. Think he's the worst. Like, you really screwed Daphne over. Like, you almost... Imagine having to be married to a guy like that. No, oh, no. I, honestly, like, I don't think creepy, I could be married to any awkward. of... awkward. I could be married to Benedict. That's why I like Benedict. I could, I could be married to Benedict. Benedict would be like, let's go to an artist enclave and I'll be naked. Like, <laughs> Benedict was cool. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But the rest of them are kind of like that uh, hyper toxic masculine of the time kind of vibe you get. I mean, not Colin, Colin, not so much. Not my, not my not Colin. Not your Colin. Not, but Colin, to me, is still such a boy. Like, I don't see him as... Like, honestly, it felt weird to me when he was trying to get Marina to marry him because I didn't feel like he was mature enough or old enough to... Yes, yeah, I mean, so I do, that young. is kind of a storyline, right? Is there, like, Colin Bridgerton's never going to marry you, Marina. You need to find somebody else yeah. because he's not ready to get married. Like, yes, like, yes. And but, I, do we know how old he's supposed to be on the show? Because Anthony Benedict Colin, so he's the third kid, so... He's a year older than Daphne, then, I'm assuming. Okay, so... 20? Um, but but here's my question then. How long did she wait after her first two? Because she's she seems like a young mom, right? Which we have to assume she got married at like 18 and started popping out babies. So from a violet? Yes. So because I mean she yeah. would have been on the marriage mart at like 17 or 18, and then from there, you know, they obviously don't have birth control, so I'm sure she had her first baby very young. So when I'm I guess what I'm asking is how old are these people supposed to be? Because I don't actually know Colin's age. I forgot to look it up, but I did look up. Anthony and Benedict's actual ages, like the ages of the actors, and they're both 33. So I'm like, are they supposed to be like 25? <laughs> like, what are they playing? Because they look every bit of 33. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not trying to like, I don't know, casting sometimes with ages is weird. I know, it is so weird, but I get so hung up on it. I get so hung up on it. I, I can't, because sometimes, sometimes it's like they have a 27 year old playing a 17 year old. I know. And like that kind of drives me insane, and then like, gives yeah. people this expectation of like this is what 17 year olds look like and then 27 then when you cast an actual 27 year old to be 27 you're like oh wow this person's old because you're benchmarking them to i don't know yeah no i see what you're saying we have a very skewed perception of age i will say i fell into that trap of like watching a lot of teen television from the 90s and early 2000s where the teens were 30 years old oh yeah and so I have always had a skewed perspective of how old people are supposed to be which does me dirty in the carding of my I work at a liquor store and I have to card people and I have the worst time 
figuring out who to card or like how old people will be when I do card them I'll make a guess in my head before I look at the age and I am always wrong I thought the general rule was just anyone that looks under 40 yes but frequently I'll see someone and be like oh yeah they're 40 like I'm not gonna I'll card them just to be safe and then they're 22 and I'm like how the fuck and the opposite is also true I'll see someone and go like well they're clearly 18 trying with a fake ID and then they're 40 and I'm like what what is going on here like I am not good at this yeah (laughs) probably a little bit of that so I I went to Trader Joe's this past weekend by the way I'm really sorry I didn't get you anything it's okay I responded too late I don't remember what I was doing or where I was but I were in the Bahamas I think you had you had an excuse but I I went in and I grabbed a couple bottles of wine with my order and the woman was like listen bitch And I was just like such in a hurry because I was trying to get everything done and the yeah. kids were napping in the car. So I was like, I'm just going to go. Well, sorry, my husband's in the car. I didn't leave my kids in the car. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't want them to wake up and yeah. it just turned into Meltdown City. So I like ran in there really fast, texted you. And this one was like, listen, like I'm going to need an ID because I looked very like just rushed and insane. And she was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah. I was like, thank you for carding me. I still enjoy being carded though. It's a very nice I feeling. I mean, but... You would be one that I would absolutely card because you do look at, and then you got me who I don't like, I've never had Botox. Maybe that's my problem. I don't know, but I've not been carded in years at a liquor store, like years. because you're tall and I'm short. I mean, that might be part of it. I mean, yeah, but do you know, there's some people, this is also true. There are some people who just inherently look old. Like, this is going to be an example from Buffy, and I'm so sorry because I know you're sick of hearing about Buffy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, best show of all time, favorite show of mine. Anyway, so (laughs) there's a character on Buffy that plays a teacher. Her name is Mrs. Callender, Jenny Callender, and the actress who played her at the time she was playing the role was, I think, 26 or 27 years old, playing like a high school teacher, and if you had held a gun to my head and said, how old is this teacher, I would have said 40. And she just looked because like one of the teens that's playing a high school student on the show was actually older than her. Charisma Carpenter at the time was playing Cordelia Chase senior in high school, or actually at that point she was a junior and was a year older than Robia Lamort who played Jenny Callender. And in, you stand them next to each other and you would assume that Robia is the teacher and Charisma is the student. And like, it's just weird how some people inherently look older like Robbie Lamort probably didn't get carded from the time she was 22 like she just looks like a mature woman you know what I mean Interesting, yeah. so there's some people like that and I'm like am I one of those I don't know I hope not but maybe but also I just watched a live Robbie did where she was signing autographs because it was the 25th anniversary of Buffy and so now she's like closer to her 60s and she looks great so I'm like you know it wasn't like she like aged bad or anything it's just that like some people look older always yeah you know okay I mean? no i see that or it's like the sense of confidence maybe it's because i still get giddy i'm like are you gonna card me i don't know <laughs> maybe i don't know i just i do i do wish i got carded more <laughs> stick with me kid we'll get carded. <laughs> yeah or it'll go the other way and you never will be no. <laughs> like this is creepy i'll do it but anyway okay any final thoughts on season one what would you rank it bingeable not bingeable oh absolutely binge worthy so very bingey <laughs> i hate to say this because i did not actually binge it when i first watched it but i also found it binge worthy once i got back to it and like let that preconceived book shit roll off my shoulders and just watch it was, i loved it i thought it was really good um i will say i Thought they made questionable choices about the sex scenes. But one thing I loved, and we haven't talked about this yet, the music. 
Yes. I, I need a soundtrack. I need someone they, to release. They, so they have a Bridgerton Spotify list. They do? Okay. Mm-hmm. You need to teach me how to find a Spotify list because oh, I, I pay for Spotify. I have it now, but I haven't figured out how to use it yet. So like I have some podcasts. Well, are you 80 to. years old? Yes. <laughs> so okay. I don't know how, like, how do you, like, you know, Kate Kennedy's always like sharing Spotify list. I'm like, where do you, how do you, how do I get that? Like, where do I find it? How do I make one? I don't know how to do it yet, oh, but you'll have to help me and then I'll have it because I mean, I, so in season two, they do a, a dance to wrecking ball. Yes. And I, that is in my head daily now. They did thank you next in season one. And I loved it. It's, I've oh, always been a so big good. fan of like vitamin, I think it's vitamin string quartet, basically where they'll put, um, nowadays like pop songs and put it to like classic violins, classic strings, make it classical. See, this is all new to me. I didn't know that and existed. And it's an amazing genre. It's really cool because it's like very soothing, but also yeah. like a fun, upbeat tune. Well, so the soundtrack it. and the music is a really nice addition to this idea of modernization of it. So I, yes. I really enjoy that aspect. I love of it, it because I can connect with it. I've always felt like there's something deficient in me because I don't, enjoy, or I don't, I don't want to say I don't enjoy, but like. I've never vibed with classical music. Like I can't well, identify also Mozart the person or that... Bach and I can't like sit and listen to that for an hour and feel happy. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not. Well, we have a, like a I little Mozart. We have a little Mozart and little Beethoven book. We love them. See, I They're for the kids, but it's like, it's like the highlights of their career. Yeah. And I, I could probably, well, I was not as a deficient of a piano player as Caroline. <laughs> I did actually end up learning Mozart oh, and like Beethoven. A, a lot of it but I just wasn't great for how long I played but it was also my lack of practicing but regardless I have always enjoyed classical music like I wouldn't say it's the first thing that I listen to but I love it in the background when you're working or cooking oh, like I, I enjoy it but it has to be a specific kind of classical music my coworker will sometimes get in the mood to listen to it and he'll change the radio station at the store to classical and if I come in because I come in like an hour or two later than he does because I'm chronically late but anyway if I come in and he's been listening to classical music in the morning and I hear it I'm just like I'll try I'm like I'm gonna like this is gonna be the day I'm gonna be able to stand this and I will last 15 minutes and be like you have to take this off I cannot do it no try vitamin string quartet but I, but that's the thing I love the Bridgerton music and yes. it's because I recognize the songs and in my head I'm singing the lyrics along to it but I'm loving the instrumental because that's the thing I like the way a violin sounds yeah and I like the way a piano sounds I mean hell I love Elton John half the reason for the piano but I just like I need lyrics so it's so cool to have these songs that I know the lyrics to and I can sing in my head but like just hear the beautiful music part you know it's amazing yeah I will teach you how to do that on Spotify no problem thank you but yeah overall definitely binge worthy if you're not if you think that you wouldn't be into it because you're not into period pieces or bodice rippers like it's not as dated as you would think it would be like you're you there's definitely a lot of things that you can probably relate to i mean the fashion alone like the set dressing like there's stuff about it that you'll find to be interested in obviously the storyline is great but just like you know some like for instance i hate westerns (laughs) i've never found a western i liked like I love yellowstone but i am not gonna watch the prequel series because i just can't stand that like environment i don't know something about something about you just screams bougie where you're like listen straw and like chaps and like a lot of wood i don't know it's not my aesthetic i don't enjoy looking at it so westerns are not for me if you think you don't like period pieces this is not like 
I don't know how to describe it. It's like modern. Like it, First of all, the music is yep. modern music. You're going to recognize the music even though it's And there's instrumental. a lot of storylines like that are captivating. There are. There yeah. are. But like also like the fashion and stuff is... It's like period fashion done with a modern eye, I think. Yes. And so, like, there's such interesting stuff to look at. Like, you I got, you just sit there and stare at the costumes and go, like, oh, like, that's so interesting. And not to mention, if you're into baked goods, you'll really enjoy all of the cakes and pastries. <laughs> yes, I agree. There, yes. And we didn't even get into all the clothing. But, no, the clothes are um, great. Thank you so much for listening to our Bridgerton Season 1 episode, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for Bridgerton Season 2. Thank you.